We thank you for your word, Lord God. Lord, it brings conviction to our hearts, but also it, we, know, we know that it brings salvation, Lord, to those who hear and obey your word, Lord. We know that there's truth, Lord God, in every, every, every portion of your, of your scriptures, Lord, and we, we desire, Lord, to learn from it today, Lord. We want to learn how to love our neighbor, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Bless my lips, my mind, and my heart, Lord God, to speak your words today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I'll start by talking a little bit about the, the book of Leviticus. Uh, the book is divided into five books, or, or five portions, I should say. And there is, the book of Leviticus is considered the book of the law. Uh, and this is not necessarily the only book that they went to. We, they, I mean, the five books of the Torah or the Tanakh is considered the five books of the law. It's the five books of Moses. It was what was set in motion from the very beginning to about the time of the Levites uh, and God setting his order for his people. And, uh, and it, I'm just going to talk about a little portion of it just in the beginning. And, uh, it's, and it's, again, I'm going to talk about the fourth part. And because the fourth part actually mentions uh, something pertaining to what I'm going to be talking about today. And it's chapters uh, 17 through 26. And again, the Bible makes it clear that the Levites were the priests, the ones who did all the work in the tabernacle while in the wilderness, uh, which began with Moses. And then in the temple many years later when it was built by Solomon, uh, David's uh, son, of course, King David's son. Leviticus chapter 9 records that some of the laws God gave to Moses, which are those which were of governing for holiness. And that's what I'm going to go over. Chapter 19, verse 18 in the book of Leviticus, it says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. We know this is God speaking because uh, the record is was written to those who would... Uh, hold the ordinances that God would give to Moses, and Moses, of course, would then pass them on to those who would carry on. And I, I don't want to say the tradition, but in a sense they would. It was a responsibility. A Levite priest was uh, to uphold the ordinances of God. They were supposed to be the example of holiness. And Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 29, in verse 25, prior to the question, this is uh, the Lord already uh, beginning to, uh, que not question, but starting to reflect on this. He says, because this Pharisee who is a Levite knows the laws, and so what better person to present it to than to someone who understands them, knows them, and is not upholding them. In verse 25, prior to this question, who is my neighbor? The Pharisee who confronts Jesus is doing this to tempt him, to catch him, and something that he might say that comes against the laws and the commandments. They were setting him up for failure by asking him specific questions. They were trying to accuse him. They were trying to put him on the cross. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 34 through 40, and Luke, comparison chapter 10, verse 25 through 29, in both of these instances, Jesus is being tempted by lawyers. These lawyers, obviously, they're educated. They're probably of the sect of the Levites, but they also can be Pharisees because they're all, they're 
known one for the other. I had to do a little bit of research, just a little bit more in depth, just because there were some questions that I had. They would be considered teachers of the law, and they were to keep ordinances. They were well-educated, some would probably say. And the reason I say what I said, the Sanhedrin, uh, I recently just kind of, there's no, no assurance that they were all uh, Pharisees or all Jews. There was a mixture of the Sadducees with them. And the Sadducees, I, I ended up finding out that they were, they were uh, not only, well, they were, of course, they were of the sect, but they were not, they were people who were more of a high category, or I should say a, a high caliber, very, uh, more money, I guess you would say. So they carried themselves a certain way. But in Matthew, one asked Jesus, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus answered, as you said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love the Lord thy neighbor as thyself. On these commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Where, whereas in Luke, the lawyer asked, Master, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And these, there's, a two, there's differences between these two. Just because one to me uh, catches me a little bit off guard uh, simply because they're, they're different. One is talking about inheriting, inheriting, and the other one is, is just asking what is the commandment. It's almost as if they were trying to, uh, one, one was, they, I believe they were both trying to trip Jesus. I really do. But I believe that one was asking just a little bit differently. And the reason I say this is because he's asking about eternal life. We know that when we follow the, uh, the orders of God, or I should say, and I don't, I don't, it's commandments and his, you know, we obey his word, then we live according to God's word. And there is something that waits for us in doing so. Jesus, in verse 26, what is written uh, in the law? He asked the Pharisee this. And he pretty much said the same thing uh, that the Lord Jesus had said. Because on, on one, Jesus actually answers. But on this particular one, the Pharisee ends up answering the, the question. He ends up saying the very same scriptures. But is it just in a little bit of a different format? The meaning is the same. And then Jesus said to him, thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. So again, here's, here's he's asking about eternal life, and then Jesus is telling him, and thou shalt live. But in verse 29, the Bible gives us a record and says he wanted to justify himself and said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And here's where it kind of takes a little bit more of a twist because in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus answers the lawyer, and shortly after Jesus asks them the question, the Bible says that the Sadducees and the Pharisees were together, yet... So when they were yet together, neither one could answer Jesus' questions. And in doing so, he put both of them to rest. They no longer asked any more questions. But in Luke, Jesus goes on a step further to shed some light on something. He then speaks of an event that either has already happened or is happening. Not sure, uh, if, not, not that it really matters, but it's, it's the, the basis behind it that, that Jesus is going to talk about. And as for the lawyer, perhaps Jesus saw something more in him, and he began speaking to this to the man to stir his heart and, and make him think. Considering this, I remember that Jesus said that he first came, that the, 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 the word was first for the Jews. It was not for the Gentiles. And seeing that he was a Jew, then he was rightfully in a place to hear what Jesus had to say and possibly even receive salvation. 
Why did Jesus go further? I'm not sure. Couldn't answer that question. But perhaps, again, I said, uh, this one was one, he was a little different. Perhaps uh, one had a better chance, he probably had a better chance coming out from where he was by hearing the story all by himself. Peer pressure has a tendency of driving people in the wrong direction. You start to seek something and, and you think that it's going in the right direction and it's the right way, but it, 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 sometimes when we're pressured that way, it doesn't come out the right way and it doesn't manifest itself in the right way. Uh, it makes you th uh, do things you don't want to do. You don't want to displease anybody, that's for sure. Uh, could have been a case with this lawyer, whereas if he had been surrounded by others, he might have been persuaded in a different direction. He might have said, you know what, um, I don't want to hear this. Or somebody might have spoken to his ear and he would have not heard. And Jesus probably would have never said this. But, but God knew something. Jesus knew something was happening here. He chose to tell that story to this individual because he knew he was going to be there and something was going to happen. Something happened in that man's heart, and that's why he shared. Jesus always shared with those who wanted to hear and wanted transformation. Now, we don't have record of him, but I believe, I believe that there was something happening to this man when Jesus spoke to him. These people might, if they were, had been around him, if he'd have been, uh, he, he might have been discouraged. Remember, the Bible says that this one wanted to justify himself, so he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's looking for reason. He's looking for uh, an answer. Who's my neighbor? Justification. He was trying to prove himself righteous. He was saying in his own way, I'm doing what's right. At least in his mind he was. And he thought that coming against Jesus was the right thing to do. But he wasn't. So Jesus took his time. He was saying in his own, he, he was saying in his own way, I'm doing what's right. We have we have all done this, and, and I'm speaking in our perspective. Uh, you know, you, we, we think we've done things and we're, uh, we, we, do, we do things, not that we mean to do them wrong, but we, we tend to fall into that same category at times. And I know that I did before I came to the Lord. There was a time when I was fighting uh, against, and this is even after I was baptized in Jesus, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I was fighting certain uh, sermons, and I said, well, that doesn't sound like, I don't need that. But you know what? I gave in to that. I said, you know what? I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to give them an opportunity to speak to me and to speak to my heart. And I was able to take that in. And I was able to be transformed, not for me, but for God. And in doing so, God was able to use me for what he wanted to. I will tell you that you're, uh, someone will say, uh, you know, you don't know who, you know who I am. This is an attitude that, that kind of takes over at times. But I'll tell you, you are. We are a loving kind, and we're to be forgiving and long-suffering. We're a child of the Most High God. So that we should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So don't get mad. Remember where God brought you from and where, you're, where you are today and stay in it. Because if you do, God will bring you through if you stay in it. You know, there are going to be people who are going to mock your faith when, they, when you share it. Uh, but don't be ashamed. Jesus' response was always one step ahead of, of their thoughts. He, 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 he told uh, of, a, of an event about the Samaritan who was walking along the, along the path. He picked up the man, and the Samaritan picked up this man 
and he, he and the Bible says that he he started to tend to his wounds. He poured oil, and he was just taking care of him. He took he picked him up. He put him on his donkey or his horse or or mule, whatever that was, and then he took him. Now, given he gave his place that was his. He might have been riding on the donkey, but he gave it to the one that really needed it. He takes him to the inn, and he starts taking care of him. We read in the Bible that says that this man was half dead when he found him. Half dead. It references that he had no energy in him. He couldn't do anything to defend himself anymore. He was done. Stripped of his clothes. So he had to cover him. He had to provide something that he uh, the man no longer had, but he did. Gave him something of need. This man was in serious need. But prior to there, there were two others that had come across and did nothing. The Bible says they came by chance. Verse 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Remember, Jesus is telling the event to a lawyer who has come to accuse him, and he is reminding the lawyer of his duty. Jesus is saying, hey, you're, you're called out to uphold the ordinances. What is going on in your life? Him not knowing that by Jesus telling this story, he's telling two, two different sides. One, you're not doing to help the poor or the one that's beaten, but you're also not upholding the commandments of the Lord. And in verse 32, Jesus says, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. This, and and I, I get the feeling that this person was a Levite. And the reason I say this is because he says he looked on him. And uh, he, first he said priest, and then he says Levite. But he says, Jesus was pretty much saying, this guy looked on him. He was going to, he was just going a little slower just to kind of see the damage that had happened. But yet he did nothing. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came in verse 33, came where he was. He came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wombs, pouring oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the following day, he gave money to the host of the inn. Take care of him. And whatsoever that spend is more, when I come again, I will repay you. It kind of sounds like what Jesus is going to do for us. If we're doing the work, if we're putting in this oil, if we're picking up the lost, the broken, if we're counseling, if we're, we're feeding those that don't eat, guess what? There's payment for that. When he comes back, he will repay you. The question is, what are we doing to receive payment? And what, is, what will be our payment? Luke chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus then asks, Which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Mercy. They said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. He didn't ask him any more questions. He was done. He walked out, said in his heart, I hope that he, when he prayed, I don't think that he stripped his garments off uh, from being who he was because 
uh, we know that at times position is everything for some. But for Jesus, we don't need position. He is the position. He is our shepherd. The lawyer's response was a bit vague, simply because Jesus gave three very specific and distinct individuals of the event, and yet the lawyer could not even bring himself to say that it was the Samaritan. Instead, of he said, the one that showed mercy. There was a Levite, there was a priest, and there was a Samaritan. Priest, Levite, Samaritan. I said, Lord. The reason was because the Samaritan was considered like a dog. He was uh, bad blood. They were mixed and they were not, not belonging to the priesthood. Paul says, for those who do what is right, that are not, that are not of the law, what, what is to become of them? And he says it like this in Romans chapter 2, verse 25 through 26. For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keepeth the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep uh, the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? So Paul is, is putting a um, kind of a shed light on what is to happen to those, or, or actually to make us think. If we are those of the circumcision, which is a circumcision of the heart, because when we're baptized in Jesus' name, we're filled with the Holy Ghost. But the baptism is a type of uh, renewing of us, meaning that the heart is now exposed so the Holy Ghost can, God can take over us. The Holy Ghost can come in us and take over us. So there has to be now, he's, but he's talking about these works, these things, these deeds, the action. Jesus makes mention one was a priest and the other was a Levite. I'm guessing the Levite knew about helping the neighbor. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, it, was, it, it was his charge to keep the ordinances. He was to serve the temple. Since a, chi- since a child, he was taught. It's the third book of the Tanakh, as I mentioned, the five books of Moses. The word Leviticus in Hebrew by Akira means, and he called. God called those to be in, to be in, in position to, uh, to serve in the tabernacle. Jesus went from priest to Levite and then to Samaritan, I said earlier. All three passed by the area by chance, as the scripture says. The word chance doesn't necessarily mean as it's described as they just happened to pass by. And this was very interesting to me because I've always saw, seen the word chance as it's, oh, it just happened by chance. It just so happened but the scriptures don't say that. The word chance means something completely different. And, I, and, I'm, not, and I'm not downing the, lang- the English language, but I don't like the changing and the transforming of the language uh, com- uh, starting to turn into something different other than what it should be. It should be precise as, as what it means. Too many words meaning one thing. Again, it, had a deep, it has a deeper meaning than passing uh, passing by accident. We may pass through some place by accident, but for God, it's not an accident. We go through the accident. He doesn't. He is well aware of what's happening. We don't. We get caught by surprise. Unless God comes and drops you a nugget and says, hey, there's going to be a car accident, or hey, avoid this, uh, whatever it may be. You see, the word chance in the scripture comes from the, the, uh, the Greek word. It's a compound word. 
is transliterated as sukura. Su I'm sorry, sunkuria. There we go, sunkuria. Sun is uh, the beginning of it. It means primary uh, preposition denoting union, bringing together. Or uh, with or together, that is by association, companionship, process, resemblance. In other words, there's something about it that I, it's got to come together. Instrumentally, in addition, beside with, in compounds, it has similar applications, including completeness. And we know that completeness, Jesus is completeness, as to make for a purpose. Holiness means complete. There's only what is needed there for the mixture or the formula to make it what it needs to be. Jesus gives us completeness. And then transliterate the other word is curios. Again, the word was sunkuria. So you got sun and then curios. They're, again, this, it's a compound word put together, meaning something different when you, you separate it. And this particular word means supreme. Supreme in authority. Controller by implication. Mr. God, Lord, Master, Sir. Thayer's definition, he to whom a person or thing belongs about which he has power of deciding. Master, Lord, the possessor. And my favorite was at the very end. Well, the title is given to, a title given to, which is God, the Messiah. So here we're, we have something that is saying that being brought together, but the togetherness only happens through the order of someone who is of a higher power and authority. And that would be Jesus Christ. So here we have a word that means to bring together, to bring together by the Almighty. When those people walked by that Samaritan, it was not it just happened. It was ordered by the Lord. It was a test that they would have to go through. It would be something that would expose their inner being and their heart. Again, I mentioned this is, this is a story. We, I, I have not found it. But Jesus, Jesus knows that it must have happened because he, he talked about it. And, ex, and exposing something of this nature, I can understand why the Pharisee left. God had opened his heart and showed him his innards. He knew what he was made of. There was no denying. He knew who was God manifesting the flesh when he started to declare who he was. And as he did that, I'm sure there was a fear that came over his heart. As it does to every believer when they know that there is a God. That he's alive. And that he does judge. He loves us, but he also judged. God opened up with me one day, that, that day. You were put in a place, a divine, by, by a divine hand of power. And this path to bring you together with something that you have lost sense of what you're closely related to, but you don't even know it. Sunkuria, this chance so-called brings completeness by a high one in authority. Jesus, that is a master of putting things such as life, events into someone's life, into motion. Only a master who is given this title of God, the Messiah, can do this. There's no one else. We go on and we live our lives. 
We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Jesus says not to worry. So should we? Should we? No, we shouldn't. We trust in him. We believe in him. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord, the Lord of lords. And you are my provider. You are our provider. Praise the Lord. Something that you're supposed to relate to, uh, but for some reason you've lost sense of it. I mentioned early. Uh, we can at times grow a little bit callous in our hearts and, and in our mind. It doesn't only happen here. It happens up here as well. It can be lost. You've lost. And when this happens, it's usually because you've lost the love for humanity. I was at, uh, I went to Dairy Queen. Every time, every time I share the gospel, I share it with those who I think, and I say I think, and sometimes the Lord does lead me, but sometimes I look at them and I say, I think they need the Lord, but sometimes I think it because I can hear what they're saying and what they're doing. So we're at Dairy Queen, and there was this, I'm sitting with my family, we're enjoying, you know, a meal. This is after Spanish service, by the way. <laughs> So it's late at night. These guys, I think, just came from a baseball game of some sort. And as I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm with my kids, and there's, there's, there's profanity coming across, you know, from one side of the room to the other. And I'm thinking, Lord, help me. Lord, cover their ears. Lord, let them not hear that. But then um, we get up, and we start to leave, and they're sitting, and they're looking at us. And God starts to speak to me. And again, this would be one of those times when God unctions and he tells you that he wants you to open your mouth and not be ashamed. So I go over there and I start to speak to the young men. And uh, as they all sat down, I start to share with them my beliefs. And, and, not, and not, not striking them down on what they believe and what they don't believe, but just explaining to them that I want to take as many people to heaven as I can. I said, and you guys fall right into that. And he said to me, what makes you think that I'm not going to heaven? I said, well, let me ask you a few questions. This is how it starts. Who's Jesus Christ? He knows that off the bat. And I continue to ask and I continue. And then I finally find out he goes to a Christian college. And the reason I find out that he goes to a Christian college is because one of the responses that he gives is Catholicism. And I said to him, you know, the Bible says that, you know, you have to believe in Jesus. He says, oh, I, I do believe in Jesus. I said, but the Bible says you also have to believe, the, you know, you, we believe the whole word, not just in parts. And he says, well, you, do you believe in the seven sacraments? And so he started, we're, we're, he was firing back and forth. And, and I could tell he was losing his patience, but I kept my gird. My, you know, I was girded. I, I, I stayed girded. My family was praying for me. They weren't, they weren't there. It was just me, and, and I was talking to them. I was keeping the peace. You know, I was being peaceful about it. But the young man was stirred up. And as I began to just continue to speak to them, I started to realize that he was, he was a little bit upset. He started to make jokes. He started to mock a little bit. And his friends were laughing. And then I said something. That caught them by surprise. I said, I'm sitting here because I care about you. I said, our world is going to turmoil. And this world is taking our kids. And you're young. 
And do you know how old these young men were when Jesus took them? Yeah, they didn't know this. And so you start giving them information, and all of a sudden, they, the two boys on the very end turn their heads and they look at me. And they, the, the question was, really? Or, really? you know, that look in their face. I said, you are in a position where you can start to read the Bible for yourself. And don't, don't, don't take somebody's word for it and learn God's word and start to expand on it. And as we got up, as I got up and they got up, they, they, again, they were losing their patience. But I later found out that they were, they were not from this location. I invited them to our church. I said, hey, you know what, the church down, down Plantation Road. He goes, oh, okay. So you guys, yeah, we're Pentecostal. We believe in Jesus, baptizing Jesus to be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And uh, he, was, he, he was moved by that. He's never read it before, but he was moved by it. So then uh, I go on to uh, ask them where they're from, and they happen to be from Tampa. I said, that's awesome. What, 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 what school do you guys go to? And uh, I'm not sure if anybody, goes, you guys are familiar with Jesuit. It's a school that, it's like a college. And um, so I started looking them up, you know, just uh, wanting to contact them. And, uh, of course, you can, you can find them, and you can contact, but they won't contact you back. They got so many things going on. And I remember just leaving that place, and I, I've, I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I, as if I had failed, but I felt that something, something had transpired there. I went to speak to one, and he didn't want to hear anything. He wanted to fight, but the the ones that were listening, they left with something. They went with, with a conviction in their hearts. If Jesus, if I was about that age, then I should be seeking. Yeah, you should be seeking. Our young should be seeking. We are to be as a Samaritan who showed compassion. And if we pay no attention to them that need it, then we neglect them just as the priest and the Levite that passed by the man that was surely bludgeoned and beaten by the thieves. So there are many who are beaten, bludgeoned by thieves. The thieves don't always carry, you know, they don't always carry weapons. They don't, don't carry knives. Sometimes it's words. Sometimes it's attitude. Sometimes it's looks. And I can understand because I come from a life of, uh, I don't want to say strict morals of my own, meaning pride. It has a way of masking things. It makes people think and say within themselves about others and they, that they don't belong and that you do. That look you give them, that you're not part of us. They become robbed. We rob them like a thief does. You may say, well, that's, that's not being a thief if I just look at them. And in John 10, 10, Jesus says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy a bad look goes a long way. Communication. You can destroy the spirit of someone through flesh. If a look or action we do causes someone to feel distress and they have to come to their house, to the house of God searching for liberty instead, I'm sorry. They, they come here distressed. They're looking for liberty. But if we're not welcoming them with a bright, with a smile and it's glad to see you here, we rob them of that peace. The thief hurts people, and the priest and the lawyer neglect their duties. 
Brother Gleason said, um, I love it when I smell alcohol in a church. And I bring this to attention because uh, me and Brother Pearl were actually just talking about it earlier. I said, I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit. Where we are to be reaching the lost. He said, I love it when it smells like alcohol in the church. I love it when I smell cigarettes in the church. And not that he's, he loved people that drink and came here or people that smoked and were coming here. But he knew that people were coming to the house of God for deliverance. And he could then teach on that. You can be delivered from that today. God will set you free from that bondage. It's a bondage. If we look past ourselves, our needs, and our wants, and we look to the needs of someone else, and if many, and it may be not be something of money, but it just someone just needs to talk. Somebody's looking for a way out, a way out of the world and into the kingdom of God, a way out of distraction into a place of peace with God. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 12 through 17, Paul writes, I would they were even cut off when tr uh, which trouble you. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only not use liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul's coining it again. But then he says, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed. They be not consumed by one another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. This last portion of it made me think. Focusing on the wrong things will make you lose focus of the right things of God. I was, uh, last story here, I'm closing with this. I was on my way to one of my clients' house, and as I'm walking there, uh, because I'm thinking about the entire, I'm thinking about the scriptures, and I'm thinking about the word, and I'm thinking about the convictions that every apostle, every uh, and, and preachers also that have, I've heard, you know, speak, and, and God starts to bring to me a conviction. He says, there's going to be some really bad people that are going to show up to your church, and you're going to have to be able to endure that. And I said, Lord, you know, if you, you're going to, you're going to, you can give me the strength to endure that. He says, all right, some of these are going to have lipstick. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? Some of these are going to have lipstick. Some of them are going to have earrings. Some of them are going to be inappropriately dressed. Are you going to be able to endure that? Can we endure that? Some of them are going to smell really bad. Does Jesus love them any less? No. <laughs> he loves them just as much. I'm not saying that it's something that we're going to allow. I'm not trying to poke holes into the standards that, you know, we have set here. But I'll tell you what happened when, when Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says that the veil tore in twain. And what was on the other side was the Ark of the Covenant. And I said, and, and, and it was and it was amazing to me as I start to imagine this because again, God is just showing me these things. And, and then he says to me, But do you remember my body? Do you remember that they stripped me naked? They humiliated me. They pulled my beard. They did all these things, and I did it all for you. Because I loved you. I, I allowed those things to happen. They put holes in my hands and they put holes in my feet. 
They even put a hole in my ribcage so that they would know that I was dead. And I was. But I came back for you. God came back for all of you. God came back for all of you. Isn't he good? Isn't he full of mercy and full of grace? Doesn't he deserve praise? He deserves all the praise. I want to be able to endure. Not only in that moment, but until the end. I want to endure. If I see Jesus, I want to endure until that moment. I want to see the trumpet will sound. I'll be lifted up. I want to endure. If you would stand to your feet with me today. You know, we're human beings. We go through things and we make mistakes. Last time I talked about passing by, you pass by someone, you know, I've corrected some of my mistakes. Even when they happened at the very moment that I was doing and I was teaching something, I had to go up to a person. I said, you know what? I'm so sorry. You came up to me twice and I didn't even say hello to you. I didn't even shake your hand. I'm so sorry. There's nobody higher. There's no, there's no, there's no one greater than the other. We are all human beings and, and God made every single one of us. God wants us to honor his creation. God wants to bring his creation in. If you would lift your voices up and sing and sing with us today. Take my feet. Thank you. Touch my heart, Lord, and speak.